0: Hey, everybody. I'm Matt Hill. I'm with uh, Knight Energy Services.
1: This is Ken Lavin with Winter Mud. Jeremiah
2: Smith, Trace Management.
0: And we have a distinguished guest in the house today. Everybody, uh, introduce yourself.
2: Yeah, I'm Mike Cantrell, and uh, I'm an oil and gas producer and also run a, a public affairs, government affairs uh, consulting group. I well, think this, you do some speaking engagements too. You do quite a bit. Yeah, I think
3: I, I have a long yeah.
0: list of the amazing accomplishments yeah. this guy's had. Well, this is our show, uh, Mike. Thank you for coming. Uh, this is the Talking Energy Show. We uh, we were talking uh, before how we got started. Uh, a little bit had to do with boredom. I mean, Ken and I wanted to uh, do something, uh, you know, positive for the industry. And uh, man, I just like you know, I talked to you on the phone earlier. Uh, guys like you, you know, you do lots of things and. It's kind of selfish, but I just want to meet you myself and put you, you know, and record
2: you. Right, yeah, um, I'm happy to make the connection with you guys. I I love connecting. In fact, I've written a book and I've got a chapter on relational networking.
0: That's what I want to talk and about. What, your what book
2: that's about is not just networking, mm-hmm. not just going to events where you hand out business cards, but you pick out people
1: mm-hmm. that you
2: want to get close to and you make friends. Friends, true friends, friends. true friends. friends. Exactly. Yeah, you make
3: money off friends, not and off where your, I got sorry. that. Where I
2: really got that was in, when I was about sixteen. Went in to buy my first set of tires at Ed Menasco Tire and Supply at o'clock. i have been there with my dad since I was wa- walking. Yeah. And so I go into Ed's to buy my first set of tires, and, and uh, he comes out and says hello. And he was, he was, my uncle was married to his daughter, so we had kind of a connection. And uh, so anyway, I tell Ed, I said, I said, Ed, I need to buy some tires. And he said, well, I'll give you a grandpa deal. Come on in. <laughs> and I said, well, I want to buy the tires, but I don't want a special deal. I want you to charge me what you charge everybody else. How naive is that? And he, he gave me money. He said, son, let me give you your first lesson in business. You never make money off your enemies. You make money off your friends. Ah. And so he said, "Don't worry about old Uncle Ed. He'll get by just fine." Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's, well, funny. that's awesome. You're, so uh, you just need more friends. Yeah, you and you inspired our narrative. term. Yeah. We've been
0: we've been using tossed around "friendsters." Mm-hmm. You know, Friendstum. good friends, good customers, friendsters. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. What's yeah. the name of that book that you wrote? The book you that wrote book.
2: is uh, is called "Advance: How to Take Your Life, Your Business, and Your Brand to the Highest Level." Nice. So it's got some things in it that might be useful and some things probably aren't. But uh,
0: What do you think is useful in it?
2: Well, actually, I think that the chapter on parenting, which is unusual for Ooh. a book like that, is probably very good. Um, the first chapter or two talks about finding out who it is that you are, mm-hmm. not what you are, not what you've done, not your conditioning or belief system that you've been taught, but actually finding that kernel of uniqueness in yourself that says, who, who am I? And once you can answer that, then you've got two other questions. One is, what am I to do? Mm. What am I to do? And once you figure that out, you say, who am I to do it with? So you build parameters around those three things, and that's the foundation, I think, for everything else. I
1: was going to say, great great analogy is the formation, mm-hmm. by far.
0: How many kids do you have?
2: I have two. And the uh, biggest accomplishment in my life, and of course, I take the credit, but my wife probably deserves 75% of it, <laughs> and uh, they're both in business for themselves. Both went to private schools, got great educations. Both wanted to go in business for themselves. Never wanted to work for anybody else, although they did while they were in college. And they've both been very successful. My son turns 40 in July, and my daughter is uh, 43, which is hard to believe. But they're both doing well in their businesses. And they came back to Ada, Oklahoma, and wanted to raise their families in a small town, which kind of surprised me Yeah. because, you know, we, they've been all over the world, and they've seen seen a lot, and more than I have even. So I was surprised by that, but, you know, it's kind of cool. I mean, you know, we we uh, live 200 yards from my granddaughter, from my daughter and grandchildren.
1: Okay.
2: And we live about five miles from my son. He had to get a little bit further away from Dad than, <laughs> than she did. I think that's normal with any dad and uh, son, I, for sure. I promise you it is. The kiss of death. <laughs> with anybody that wants to get to do business with my son is to go through me. Ah, there you go. Are you know,
0: they in oil and gas?
2: My son is. In fact, they both took a snippet of my, my businesses. And I've had a dual track career. I mean, somewhere around the age of thirty, I learned that there's a direct correlation between good government policies and my bottom line. So somewhere in that in that in that well, it was nineteen. Where I really got on it was nineteen eighty nine. Um, was when I really kind of started in that direction. And then I formed Mike Cantrell Associates to do political fundraising and campaign consulting. And public affairs to an extent. It took me a lot longer to learn more about public affairs, although I was the first chairman of the Oklahoma Energy Resources Board, mm-hmm. and we spend half our budget basically on promoting the industry one way or the other. And that, that taught me an awful lot going through that process.
0: Why are here uh, since you ran that position? What uh, for those that are uh, listening that aren't in oil and gas? Uh, what is the Oklahoma Energy Resources Board? We're we're big fans, but what do they do?
2: Um, you know, basically, Pete Brown, who's an oil, oil man in Oklahoma City, and I were kind of the co founders. We tried to do a national program. We were thinking about checkoff, just basically where we could promote the industry with funds from the industry. Mm-hmm. And you can't do it voluntarily. People just won't voluntarily give enough money. So we, we created a, an assessment, much like the beef checkoff, where everybody gives two tenths of a percent of, from their oil and gas revenues that go directly into the treasurer's office in an account for us. We're not a state agency. We're not governed by anybody except a board. And so the, the, the mission was to um, change the image of Oklahoma oil and gas producers and the industry. So, number one, we represent all the industry at OERB. We don't let our different squabbles or differences get involved in that. And early on, we, I made that decision as chairman. You know, we're, we're going to leave those issues at the door. When we come in here, we're supporting everything from the royalty owner to the refiner to the end user. We're, we're supporting the entire industry. And so um, we decided our it, – it's kind of interesting. It was born out of necessity. Probably the best part of the program is the environmental cleanup piece, which is half the revenues by statute are going, going to go into environmental cleanup of abandoned oil and gas. Oil. Which has been huge. Yeah. Which has been a great thing. And the reason – it's kind of funny. The reason we did that was not totally altruistic. The reason we did it was our image was so bad that we had to give the voters and the public um, a visual of our industry rather than telling them we had to show them our goodwill. And so, by cleaning up those damaged sites, that was that's been our public education message, forever. And I hope they still got things running on cleaning oh. up the environment because that's the those you, commercials you, are amazing. Yeah. What do you think key, about that, Jeremiah? Job.
3: Well, there's a lot of wells in a still in Oklahoma, yeah. and I'm kind of curious. And How many? In a, oh, well over a thousand. I mean, oh, 4,500 wells. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's 4,500
0: wells that need to be. Yeah, and they're, they're orphaned. Yeah, totally orphaned orphan wells. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oklahoma. So you don't have any operator responsible to to do it. So
3: now
0: you know how many nationwide there are?
2: No, but I can, I'm going to know because there's two bills in Congress that will address that. Okay. One is a bipartisan bill and the co-sponsor is my friend Kevin Kramer, Senator from North Dakota. And Kevin is as far right as they get. So you know if he's for it, it's going to be good for the industry. So if we have
0: 4,500 in Oklahoma, if you just add that to all of the... Um, Basins in the place. I mean, I
3: mean, Texas has got to have four tons that Yeah, and well, Texas actually has a pretty good program. Mike, why bigger, don't we
0: have that program? What, when does that a, come?
3: I'll tell you what it is. And let me finish oh, Well, you. real quick though, uh, the program. You know, uh Texas, their non-productive wells, they're uh, forced to plug ten percent a year of their non-productive wells. But their main, main they're, they're main.
2: They're only maintaining status quo. Mm-hmm. They're not dipping. They're not plugging ones and going on a curve where they're going down and the number of wells need to be plugged. Yeah, and they've got a great plugging fund. They mm-hmm. got. Part of their tax goes straight into plugging fund.
0: True, but I like your take that you told us the other day at the uh, man Mike came on graciously to uh, uh, talk to us uh, at the uh, oil, oil field, field connections and your take on those wells that some people say need to be plugged. You had a little bit different take on well, maybe the evaluation process needs to be changed.
2: Well, I helped get a, a statute passed 20 years ago that basically uh, forbids you. From plugging a well on an otherwise producing lease.
1: That's right.
2: And the idea was that these wells we we need to quit looking at these as liabilities because they're really assets, potential mm-hmm. assets. And think about all think about horizontal drilling. Mm-hmm. Think about all the technology that we can use now on old wells that we couldn't use before. And mm-hmm. and why wouldn't we have a review process of some kind? Why would we just go wholesale saying it's a good thing to plug wells? not necessarily a good thing but if you if you if you draw the line at those that already have a producing well on them you know the zones are are, are productive mm-hmm. so you know you've got something to work with and so i think that's a good a good law and frankly the corporation commission uh, hasn't always just thought of that they they try to make you plug things that, that are sometimes not that Because are not even if you double it it's better than what it is now yeah what's right. the
0: line in the sand on what they uh, consider producing one well, barrel a day
2: no, there is no there is no line as yeah, long as you're I'll bringing hydrocarbons to I the surface. I would say that um,
0: any level, and it's not right, the commission's
2: decision to make. Mm-hmm, and they've yeah. been, they've been doing that some, mm-hmm. but it's not their decision to make on a civil matter. Like mm-hmm. when your oil and gas lease runs out, it runs out at the cessation of commercial production. Right. And so who's to say what that is? Well, there's case, case law all over the boards on that. And so, basically,
0: if you're bringing water to this surface nowadays, you can—I mean, you can clean up the water and it can be uh, utilized. So, who's to say? And
2: there's so much to talk about. You know, we need NPDES permitting so that we can discharge water into streams as long as it's—you uh, know—that's available.
3: I don't know. That seems like is you not taken you know, advantage of though yeah. for discharging like that. What are they going to be pumping in
0: these It'd streams? It have to be uh, Well, to be look at, look at what Gianni is doing. He's the only no. person in Oklahoma right now committed water. Look it up; it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But they can take. Any, I mean, oh, produce yeah. water this black and it, it comes out cleaner than drinking water. So,
2: oh, there's there's a lot of there's technologies to do that. And, and when I was at Continental doing government and regulatory affairs, they would all come to me.
0: Yeah, you worked with Harold so, and yeah. friends for a yeah. long time. Yeah. So, we had
2: some questions on that too. When we get there, I actually met with the DEQ last
3: week to discuss that and yeah. the regulations around how we can discharge cleaned up water, right? And mm-hmm. not necessarily potable or drinkable, but clean enough to where you're getting rid of the real hazardous chemicals and you can spray it on roads or on grass. Or, or crops.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put it in the round I ground. think it's not going to be um, publicly acceptable to probably discharge straight into a stream or river, although that's Never. the nature. That's of the, the narrative we were talking about And again. if you think about it, if you think about it, when we take all this fresh water that we accumulate, millions of barrels to frack these big horizontal frack jobs, Absolutely. we lose that forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you were recycling that water and you're able to discharge it back into the environment, it could actually be an environmentally environmentally sound benefit.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And water water loss is a huge problem. I actually read an article yesterday, somewhat unrelated, but in Las Vegas, that dam, uh, the mead. I think it's like mead. that mead. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Like mead. It's down thirty seven percent. Right. They are already. Too low on water this year. Like it is crazy. Water is a resource. It's the future. But real quick, got to go back because we kind of deviated. But how does a well become orphaned? What happens?
2: Like you know, I'd say mostly it becomes economically not viable. Okay. And so um, now that's different things for Sun or Texaco or Phillips or. Um, exxon mobil or some of those that level is pretty high mm-hmm. but for somebody like us i mean we operate the lowest of the lowest production wells my son's average production is about two barrels a day on 300 wells
1: yeah which so, is amazing though
2: yeah it's perfect yeah, he makes money operator. with that and you know we can make money with that as long as we have reasonable regulation as long as we have some sort of a price that's reasonable
0: man i'll take a couple of wells that are making five barrels a oh day. yeah
2: well as long <laughs> as you got a reasonable <laughs> operator too that yeah.
3: you know copas is great but if the well is drilled in 65 or something like that, Copas now has the, the operating overhead. You know, it could be over two grand a day. You know, that kills the viability of a
2: lot of wells. It's quite frustrating. When I was young man, one of the people I worked with was Benny Pearl Prentice in Allen, Oklahoma. I think Benny died this year. But anyway, he uh, he always said, I don't want a 100 barrel a day oil well. I just want 100 one barrel. One barrel. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right.
3: Yeah. It's a, a source of income. But how does it become orphaned? Like where the, the chain of title is lost, where you no longer have an owner of that well, such as a. It typically is BP or whoever's going to sell it to the next guy, the next guy, the next guy, right? So it's finally, the next
2: guy runs out.
3: You're right? Yeah, he there's just goes no bankrupts house. or what? How do they? How do they become orphan? Well,
2: there's a the landowner calling and say "I got this well on my property. charge of them. Nobody's well,
3: taking care." Yeah, but there's a chain of title, right? A 1072A with mm-hmm. the the OCC that says you own that well on that location and the, that legal description. So how does it become? Well, I'm going to give
2: you my impression, and I'm always direct. There's a there is a cottage uh, industry practice of people that when they get to that point, they put them in an LLC and bankrupt. Yeah, yeah, so I, then uh, you're done. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, that, that some way we need to address that. And, uh, and I was saying there's two bills in Congress that are best dressed orphan Wells. One of them just gives 10 billion dollars over eight states, of which we would be one of the eight states if we qualified. My sense is Democrats are going to make us tie that to surety, tighten surety requirements.
0: <laughs> Nothing uh, like a big giant lump okay. sum for the government to another government well, that, and and it it, a waste. That, money that, is, is that sounds like
2: moral hazard, by the way.
0: Yeah. you know, well, moral it's hazard. Not,
2: it's not. It, Tell me how it is. The if premise you know of that is, someone will pay for it, it. will not pass. It mm-hmm. will not pass unless they give states control of their own programs.
0: There we go. And you talked about that in that uh, in talk you gave. That's we we have guys like uh, Langford and Inhofe. That one senator.
2: One senator can put a hold on a bill. Yeah.
0: One senator Keep can yep. fix our, our problems mm-hmm. pretty quickly.
2: My favorite quote that probably, is if I learned one thing out of 45-year career in public affairs <laughs> and political activity, it is Mark Twain's quote. I've known many problems in my life. Most of them never happened. Yeah. So we see all these things that are like Joe Biden is the death knell industry. Well, i got to tell you something, guys. We're doing pretty good. Yeah. And
3: we do on every Democrat.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> historically, I used to say this, that historically we've done better under Democrat administrations, none of which I ever voted for, mm-hmm. Yeah, than we have under Republican administrations, except for Jimmy Carter. Mm-hmm. And I've had to go back Allegedly, on
0: that. Allegedly, everything in this podcast studio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, We don't but want to Jim, put that out your there. You're telling me
3: 78? Yeah. We Ever since then, we've done better under Democrats? Yes. Wow. Uh, yeah. I, Even Obama. I, I, I'm Obama. to Obama. I'm I ask that Obama you put parameters him. around he, he, that. He didn't get done. Well, I, well, Did he threaten that? Or was it like everyone uh, used that as attacking him to take away jobs and stuff? What was it? Was Obama saying it? Or was it you know, just uh, well, the right? Well, there was definitely a tightening of organizing. the regulatory regime that he tried to do water—that's where
1: he in was eight
2: getting us. Well, and methane emissions. Eight which years he didn't get that into the law. Well, since, yeah, we since, did, yeah, it's hard to pass laws. It since is. We're on water.
0: And, that is uh, uh, that is also like something that's. Well, th- that's I, how they're going to get us, man. They can they can stop us on I, regulatory, water is the but issue. water. Yeah. Water's already. I remember out.
2: when uh, when the fracking anti-fracking uh, narrative hit ten years ago or so. You know, um, uh, I was asked at Continental to tell us what our biggest problems are, mm-hmm. and I said water, the amount of water we use. And what we do with it and what happens as a result. And that's that's been true. You know, we've had earthquakes because of disposal operations, although I think the commission's done a really good job of, of if not if not stopping that, almost
0: stopping it.
1: Yeah,
2: And so I think water is the is the key issue facing the oil and gas industry going forward.
0: I it was when you. Obama got He'd in there. You probably argue the world. Is, Do you think
2: is, you know, it, it ought to be for us? True. We don't. We shouldn't let them capture that message. Yep. Yes. We should own
1: that narrative as an industry. That's where I was just about to you go. Know? I was going to go back to how to promote our industry and get it going again, yeah. and we could definitely use the water as as you know
0: as we the, came up with the technology yes. and the in the infrastructure. Anyway, but back
1: yeah, there. I think it'd be a good vehicle to move forward uh, using the water and that's what I was going to come back to moving forward with our industry. What is something that you see that we can be able to promote our industry? I know you mentioned it back in the seventies and the eighties, mm-hmm. but you guys too, y'all can jump in on this too. But do you see that it's our industry definitely needs that positive spin for sure moving forward mm-hmm. to because with all the EVs and everything that we've talked about in the past and things like that, that we definitely need something to promote us going forward.
2: When I was president of the Oklahoma Energy Producers Alliance, which I was the first chairman and then the first president and was one of the co-founders of that, um, I advocated conservation practices, good conservation practices. We're one of the few major states that doesn't have a permitting process for frack job, for hydraulic frack jobs. <laughs> Texas has an area of review where you've got to go and prove You're not going to destroy, hit... It unplugged wells or badly plugged wells, and we've we've not come to grips with that in Oklahoma. We're the most pro-industry state regulatory-wise, which is both a blessing and a curse. Huh. The blessing is it's great to do business here because your regulatory costs are nothing like they are anywhere else. The curse is is that if you get a strong EPA, they might take over primacy. You know we we've got primacy under Underground Injection Control at the Corporation Commission. We were the first state to get that primacy to where we could regulate our own program. Now, most of the other states do it now, but I worry about losing that primacy if we don't do a good job. Mm -hmm. Permitting 14 shallow wells to handle the water that was coming from the Arbuckle that created the purge in Kingfisher County that's still purging to the surface now, Mm -hmm. that's the kind of thing that scares me to death and would keep me awake at night if I had major assets.
0: How many... Man, how many wells are around that purge that are not uh, able to uh, produce? Now they shut, the, they turn all of the producing well, wells. Well, can we go back
3: to yeah. tell us what the purge is, and then please do answer Matt's question if you if you yeah. haven't. Answered I have a that. bunch but of what, questions. What everybody, listen. Purge? Also, yeah. tell
0: us about hey. So everybody also is the OEPa, Oklahoma Energy Producers Alliance. So we have a couple groups here in the state that are advocates for oil and gas. We've got uh, what is that? We What's have seventeen
2: board members of the Oklahoma Petroleum Association, which is no more right um basically split off we're a splinter group we just kind of like the guys that formed the, the, the nation we're a splinter group, Why? We're a splinter group. <laughs> there you go and uh, we we basically were formed to, to basically represent the interest of vertical conventional well producers mm-hmm. because the oipa had gotten so heavily uh horizontal uh, in their leadership that we weren't even able to get compromises done yeah. so when that didn't when that didn't work, in fact ironically harold and i had a compromise that we were that on the on the fracking of wells that we were in favor of that I thought we could get the group to go along with. And my group said they were going along with it. We got into the board to vote, and I had four or five of my members go the other way.
1: No, oh, no. And so
2: we, we lost that compromise. <laughs> and and uh, if we'd had that, there would have been no, wouldn't have been any OEPA, at least not this early. Yeah. But anyway, and so well, Harold, kinda, thank
1: you for trying. It. Yeah. I mean, Harold's
2: <laughs> always willing to try to work with yeah. small producers, always has been. And,
0: well, especially you. I mean, yeah, yeah.
2: Well, my intuition is that he is not a big part of this problem of fracking into others' wells, because I think he tries to go out and buy the smaller producers first. Right. Yeah, yeah, frack bashing is that. a real concern, though. It really is. What is?
3: Frack bashing,
1: when you're oh, referring to Yeah, yeah. It kills the I wells. had
2: to quit saying it, because mm-hmm. it, it exceeded the bounds of believability. Yeah. yeah. But we've lost thousands mm-hmm. of vertical wells. Thousands. Thousands. Yep. To horizontal frack jobs. And for some reason, 95% of them don't come back. Yeah. Some do. Some get improved. Some get a big boost from that frack job. Why all of them don't get that, I don't know. But it yeah. just waters them out and they're done.
3: Have you found a solution? You know, some guys will shut them in.
1: Some will leave them going. Some will put down. I don't believe there is a solution yeah. to that. I yeah. think everything brings another consequence. Yeah. Well, bring, that brings us back, bring it back to what you were talking about on the purge. What is
3: the purge? Tell us... Uh, I don't know if we want to get into detail about that. Yeah, you well, probably don't. Bro, yeah, just, take this. Just to, I mean, I don't
0: know. No, we should talk about it. I mean, listen, we, we're interview. we are very open on our on our show. Is that hey, look, sometimes things happen. I mean, we've had spills, we've had rigs burned down, we've had loss of life. I mean, there are things in our industry that we all in groups like this can work, you know, together to fix for the future generations. And you know, the the leaders of our industry have ideas and wisdom
2: well my idea on what what caused the purge is that you know you've got you've got the commission's effort to eliminate earthquakes from disposal into the uh uh arbuckle so as a result they started permitting shallower disposal wells to handle the same amount of water uh when you're putting too much water into 14 shallow wells and it's on that that balloon's going to burst at some point so we did have a breakout of that to the surface to where you had i forget what the total was it was several barrel barrels a minute Coming out of the just coming out of the top of the ground, running down the ditch, hmm. and you know the solution to it, I think, and I have advocated this, and I know some of our testimony at the commission has advocated it. The solution of it is number one, shut those fourteen wells down. Sure. Number one, they're pressured up. You need to relieve the pressure, mm-hmm. so you need to you need to haul water as long as it takes to some other facility to relieve the pressure. Well, they haven't done that piece. They've shut them down, uh, most of them, I think, and and but the purge is still ongoing, and it's it's a it is something that's going
0: to bite us. How many barrels a day?
1: I don't know what it is. Currently.
0: I'm just curious. I don't know either. What
1: but I think that's a good advocacy to show that, like you were talking about, we've lost life, we've lost, we've had our spills, but that we're willing to to make up for it. We're trying to do the right thing, and we see the willing,
0: problem. more than willing, we are. Uh, oh, fully committed to finding solutions. Fully
1: committed, right. absolutely. But I want it to be known here. That's what the show is about: is to shed that positive light of what our industry does. You know, we're. we're well, I
2: appreciate that, but I have to give the industry an F on the uh, on the purge. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's that,
1: been over a year now. Well, the commission has
2: to do it, mm-hmm. and for that to keep, keep going on and uh, and not be stopped by now, it's been over a year. Yeah,
1: um, but I'm glad that it's people are hearing that F from you. That's yeah. good. That's I'm glad to hear that, and people are glad to hear
0: that. We've had friends go and testify in front of the corporation commission. I mean, they, yeah. hey, I mean, there's a lot of ideas being thrown at it, and I don't know how many have been tried.
2: Well, I, I think that um, uh, the companies that are well meaning that are doing it have tried to come with solutions, but. Um, you know, everybody is, is concerned, as they should be, with their bottom line. Yeah. And as we've had collapsing energy prices since 2014, that's seven years of a depressed mm-hmm. economy in the oil and gas business, it's really hard for companies to, for, for the minor people that are working at that level, to report to, up to the company and up to the top that, hey, we're going we're gonna to solve this problem, but we're going to cost you $10 million in the process. Mm-hmm. That narrative, that dog don't hunt. <laughs> so that's the problem they've got. It's a, it's a legitimate problem of cost versus
0: doing the right thing. Hmm. Agreed. Well, so th- you say the, about costs and future. I mean, what do you think is going to? Um, what do you think is going to happen to our industry? You were very positive the other day that we're going to be around a long time.
2: I am very positive about it, but it's kind of a uh, contrarian viewpoint. I believe it's smart for us to have good regulation. Yes, it needs to be better regulation. Long. And it needs sustained to,
3: growth that's you know, right. and yeah. in a, a sustainable way for the environment.
2: But the, one of the first concepts I learned in business, and I probably got it in class somewhere, I think it was a Peter Drucker concept of long-term profit maximization. Mm-hmm. That's what we ought to adopt, yeah. not the short-term. You know, the private equity funded groups, they're in, it, they're in it to make money, build up assets for five years and sell out. Mm-hmm. So they don't care. Mm-hmm. We're generational. I'm third generation. My son's fourth. And most everybody on the OEPA board is a generational producer. We're not going anywhere. We're going
0: local here. Oklahoma people that have right. wells and an interest here.
2: And we live in the communities,
0: so we care.
2: Yeah. You know, we really care about teachers. We really care about the environment. We have to. Yeah. And it's in our interest to care. And so, since we're long-term, we want to see these problems solved so that in the long term we don't end up with them. Because we're going we're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. We're going to end up with these problems whether we want them or not. And so I think, by and large, the Corporation Commission does a pretty good job. Um, the purge has been a tough one, and and um, I don't see anything on the horizon to fix it. Hope, hope it will eventually die down. If they quit injecting water, we'll quit having a problem. And the best solution to clean up anything is, is to just quit doing it. Mm-hmm. Quit doing it, and then nature will take care of,
0: of cleanup. Clean the water on the surface that we gather and utilize it for crops. Something like so, that.
2: Utilize it for good. Yeah. When I was, uh, uh, one of the last things I talked to uh, Continental about was was NPDS permitting. And I thought I'd been out of there for a while, and I thought that was a unique idea they'd be all for. Well, they're already working on
3: it. Can you tell me? Uh, the, I don't think you said what that acronym is.
2: It's National Pollution Elimination Discharge Systems. Okay. Mm. And what it does, and it's smart, it's good for the environment. And it it's counterintuitive, but you clean the water up, and the law is is that you, when you can use it, it hadn't happened. I think it's east of the Mississippi, west of the Mississippi River. I think it's harder to do, but you clean it up to, to background standards. Like if the Cimarron River is five thousand parts per million chlorides or total dissolved solids, yeah. you clean your water up to that, and then you can put it in the Cimarron River, put it back in the ecosystem. That only makes smart. That only is smart to me. But the late great Senator Robert S. Kerr used to say. While you're explaining, your opponent's gaining. Hmm. So, the difficulty with that is explaining why you're
0: putting produced water.
3: Well, Mike, how would your son do with that? If he had that added cost of cleaning that water, right? He's running stripper wells. Yeah, he could Yeah, and so. The
0: cost is just it's astounding the, yeah. to clean it up it's unfortunate. as of right now. The
3: technology is mm-hmm. getting better every day. Yeah. I've stumbled upon something that is really cool about how they're going to evaporate. Well, I was doing so some consulting
0: is. work mm-hmm. for a company in,
2: in uh, Dallas. That have this, they all have the solution. Yeah, sure. all, yeah. And I said, well, number one, you don't have D the solution. There are 50 companies with the solution. Mm-hmm. The cost is the line of defense. You have to be able to do it at a cost that's close to what it's costing companies now.
0: <laughs> there was a guy, uh, Tom Robbins, a friend of ours, you know, he's uh, sat on uh, many boards here in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was talking about how he went down to the state capitol and one of the uh, leaders was in there and he was like, Hey, come on in. we got this you know, idea about this, uh, how to clean up the water. And he's like, Matt, I got in that meeting and there was a guy talking about how he had created this technology in his bathtub and his, in his room and it could clean up water and that, you know, they were, he was just like, man, there, there's just people all over the map with this idea.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the difference is they can all make it if they can make it work. Well, right. ironically, it ain't going to work in Oklahoma mm-hmm. because you're never going to impose on anybody an additional cost through our either our legislature or our corporation commission, mm-hmm. New Mexico different subject. It would probably work there because they California,
1: yeah. California, I, yeah, which they've done a good job on that too. They have a system they're using sunlight and UV California rays. California
0: doesn't do anything and,
1: uh, right. They're uh, but they're through, putting it on, on the story <laughs> <Yeah>. California, <laughs> but they're putting it on the crops. But yeah. they're trying. They're trying. Will so, say, <laughs> it, it's viable here too. The price point has
3: come down to say it never will. It will. So yeah. right now yeah. the average trucking price is probably to. Uh, trucking disposes. I would say one fifty, a dollar fifty a barrel, and if you're already plumbed in, you're about fifty cents plus or minus ten. cents Well, that's, cents that's it. We location.
0: don't need trucking. We need uh, just like we need pipelines for our well, water. Well, I
3: don't think we can keep injecting it at the current rate, especially yeah. if we get an upturn. So we have to figure out something to do it more viable. than, really, I'd go after the trucked water mm-hmm. first because that's the low hanging fruit. You got to get the cost down. To what a these dollar. guys
2: were doing that I was working with was they were actually cleaning the water on the fly, yeah, from the flow back after a frac job, yeah. mm-hmm. and they would actually clean it, and you could send it to a facility to hold it and use it again. And they'll clean it to whatever. You want drinking water? They can do that. It costs mm-hmm. more money. But they said they could clean that water to be used again uh, or to be discharged for about 60, 70 cents a barrel. Mm-hmm. Well, when I put them with companies to work with them, that never really worked, never really happened. The was it not? Was that, yeah, okay. It was the cost was some way not what they said it was. Mm-hmm. and then, You know, there's a lot of unforeseen costs in our business that you just have to be in it to know about. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I, I, I probably... Uh, um, I love that idea. Someday it's going to work. Someday we're going to be forced to do it.
0: Well, that's what yeah. I was going to ask. So do and you, you can do see, that
1: government funding to be able to help with that too. Does
0: yeah. Maybe like, Hey, you know what? You guys already do the cleanup on, uh, with the OERB, right? So maybe the OERB steps in and now it's not just plugging wells. It's also, now we can also fix the water. Well
2: the OERB doesn't have the authority to plug wells. Yeah, they no. Solely rest with the Corporation Commission. But, so they don't even deal with that unless the commission. But there's has a them. fund from them. There has been special projects where OERB, on an emergency basis, oh nice, help the commission plug wells. Nice. And so I don't think anybody's going to raise hell about that. You know, no. that's no. what we need to be doing. We just need a, a stronger orphaned well program, where we've got more money.
0: It just seems like we yeah, already have the We, we already have money. the groups and the organizations here already that can do all of the things we're asking to do we just need to you know add another committee to one of these i you know, think it's real, the appetite that's the that's the issue <laughs> i think we all have the appetite at this point though yeah you know i'm tired of the narrative being, as long as it
1: doesn't cost us more money It's right right no yeah.
0: more cost yeah. right but if they want to do a government funding
1: thing for but that it's, particular it's water costing cleanup, us
0: money great. and yeah. not being able to go out and do our business yeah you know
1: the problem
2: is is that the, the checks in the mail I'll respect you in the morning and I'm from the government I'm here to help you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the biggest lie, you know. So <laughs> we, have a... A, we have a natural-born cynicism of anything government. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's just a reality that we're going to have to deal with government. And yeah. we've learned to do that better through the years. And we're going to have to even learn to do it better, I think, as we as we take off into the future.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, your story about California. Yeah, I was uh, Tell I me put a story fundraising about California. together
2: for uh, uh, Domestic Energy Producers Alliance that Harold Hamm is the chairman of. And it's a nationwide group. In um uh, California, in Monterey, and uh, the, it was for Kevin Kramer, who's the minority leader of the U.S. House. He'd be the Speaker of the House if Republicans control it. Anyway, Kevin's a great supporter of the industry. He's from Bakersfield, where he likes to say we have more oil than Oklahoma, right? Which is not really true now, but it was at the time he said it. And uh, anyway, put that together, and so we are doing question and answering. You know, we'll get around. One guy particularly said, uh, well, "Senator, I've lived in California my entire life. I'm third generation Californian." And he said, "The name of my company is ABC Oil and Gas, and that stands for anywhere but California." <laughs> so we don't want to emulate what they've done. There you go. It's a tough place, to, and most of the producers I know in California produce in other states.
0: When you, uh, I mean, just going back to uh, some of the things I've heard you say, what are uh, what are some of the things we need to do? As uh, you're you're a good leader for our industry, you know, and somebody that I uh, rely on is a you know a uh, guide. So what are some of the things, what are your, uh, Oh, moral issues, if you will, with, uh, guys like us in, in our industry, like how do we move forward? You, you had a list
2: Well, uh, principles, if you will. Yeah. Principles, you know, we should never do anything that's not good for our state. That ought to be a bedrock principle of any oil and gas group or company. In my opinion,
1: mm-hmm. we
2: shouldn't try to get by with something that's not good for our state just because we're allowed to so we need to be principle, principle centered leadership is what we really need in our industry. And and I, and I think we have a great deal of that already. And we will, it's kind of like Winston Churchill said about the American Congress. They'll do the right thing only after exhausting all of the other possibilities. Mm-hmm. And so that's the only gas industry. We'll do the right thing only after exhausting all of the possibilities sometimes. So I think we have to be principle centered in our pros. We have to be realistic. Um, we have to have policymakers that work with us. Mm-hmm. It's not us and them. It's got to be all of us. And, um, um, you know that those are the two main things I think of. Mike, so
3: uh, what do you think about renewables? I, I read uh, an article in the Daily Oklahoma this morning and said, "What is it? Forty-two percent of electricity mm-hmm. made in Oklahoma is by wind." So we're leader of last year. Yeah, Oklahoma we're number leads three. The country. Yeah, we're yeah. number three as of last year in yeah. electricity production. I'm pretty sure we're selling a lot of that electricity to other states. It may be produced here. We're not mm-hmm. exactly enjoying. That's it.
2: correct. Yeah, yeah. other states are enjoying our our. Uh, Subsidy of wind. Yeah, our chief energy.
0: <laughs> Jeremiah asked about renewable resources on this show because he knows it gets underneath my skin. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, it's like, like, say it. Say it. It's like <laughs> the <laughs> lightning rod of this room. Every single time he does it, he knows well, let that let I'm say, just going to be like, yeah. I'm "With
2: you, you know, we cannot deny that we're going to move toward alternative sources. Mm-hmm. Right now, there are no alternatives; they're merely supplements. Right. That's you a know, good way to put electric it. Electric cars, you know, that's counted as the big thing. Well, two percent of, of the junk. market. Is electric cars. Mm-hmm. If we double that to four percent, it's still four percent. Right. So it, you know, it's not all. It's not a short term answer. And you know, I think Obama, basically to his credit, set us on the path. If you look at it this way, of thinking about the future that we've got to be working on it now. I just don't. I think he wanted like Biden does to do it all at once. That ain't gonna work. Yeah. It's gonna fail miserably. He's gonna it's not get it, reelected. Uh, yeah. He's gonna cost his his uh, party the midterm elections if they continue to try to force change. Mm-hmm. On The public,
0: yeah, the could, public's
2: not going to pay could, $5 a gallon for gasoline and then and then re-elect the guy that
0: did that. He's mm-hmm. costing us our jobs and uh, possibly our democracy at times, it feels like. Well,
2: it's- I, let me clear up that. I mean, I think we need to be honest with our approach of things. He's not costing us jobs in Oklahoma. He's not. Shutting down drilling on federal lands. How does that hurt Oklahoma? We don't have any.
3: Yeah, that's great. Here. You know? yeah, uh, well, we Shutting down Indian fracking
2: lands. on federal lands and offshore. That doesn't hurt Oklahoma. You know, uh, I'll tell you what helps Oklahoma is sixty nine dollars a barrel WTI yeah. over forty is about what an average in Trump's administration.
0: What so, about gas? What does that need to be at to really pick gas up is, here?
2: is up to three dollars. Gas is a yeah. different animal. We've got so much gas in the it's country. It's Too easy.
0: But what about yeah. here, gas? Like, what does it call, What does it need to be in Oklahoma to have Oklahoma thriving?
3: Four twenty five. I can tell you that Marcellus, can numbers. bring on a well <laughs> at fifty million a day, sustained. Right? We're yeah. not doing that. We're yet. not doing. We this. and we're they're the same expense. I know, I but totally, we're we're talking ourselves. about like
0: the okay. bringing it out of the ground. I'm talking about, but once it's right. up here on top, like we could, as a state could put the infrastructure in to utilize our own gas right here and power towns. It'd be and like power value added other.
2: agriculture. Yes, hmm. you know, it's like agricultural folks in wherever Kellogg's is. Supporting Kellogg's being there, boom, because that it's value added to their to their commodity product.
0: That's where our and infrastructure. So
2: natural backs. gas would be the way to do that. One of the things I've, I've got to do before noon today is talk to a reporter about hydrogen, yeah. which I honestly I you know I don't ever I don't know anything about anything, but I know somebody that does.
1: Yeah, and so that's I was on a big company.
2: Uh, yesterday with my friend Neil Goldstein in uh, in New York that has a hydrogen company, and so I got a little primer on hydrogen. Well, hydrogen to do it realistically requires a lot of natural gas. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that might, be,
2: that, that might be something that would work. Although he says it also has to be done in an area that has a lot of uh, fleet trucks because it's not going to be viable for individual cars. Yeah. For some
3: time. yeah it's going to be the solution of semis. Like Elon's going down a bad road with the batteries on semis. It's, mm-hmm. They're just too heavy. Yeah, the hydrogen's better. Yeah, you get more it power more to is. work with the hydrogen. Yeah. yeah. Low end, yeah. is great. It's a lot easier to refill.
0: Yeah. yeah. When you talk about narrative and, and all this, man and it's so against fracking now. do you think it could happen where they really do ban fracking? No
3: no energy prices sure go through answer. the roof Back That's what hydrogen. it's
0: such a regressive tax it will yeah. make poor people even poorer uh, but hydrogen, although no one talks about that part of it
3: So we created a, a executive committee last month to explore hydrogen use and who they who is put, we uh, Oklahoma. Uh, ah. Stitt signed a, a law well, creating this committee for a six-month review of the viability of putting a hydrogen plant in Oklahoma. He's got a, a three Republicans, three Democrats on it, mm-hmm. uh, all from the House, I believe. And then they're getting energy or leaders from the industry as well to look at the viability and how can we bring hydrogen in for exactly what you're speaking about.
2: And I'll tell you, it's the same dilemma you face in a state like North Dakota. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have enough refining capacity, so they have to take it out of state. You build refineries where the need is.
1: Mm-hmm. not
2: where the opportunity is. So you build refineries close to areas where they've got, you know, major usage of, of gasoline and diesel, basically. So hydrogen has the same issue. A hydrogen plant here, you got to get the end product to a, to somewhere where they have a, a fleet vehicles, you know, a lot of fleet vehicles mm-hmm. to make it worth doing. And, and, you know, I think we ought to try. I think it's a good road to explore. But I think what they're going to run into is the same dilemma North Dakota had, with keeping, you know, doing value-added in their state with the oil and gas because they don't, you just can't justify They've done a micro-refinery or two in North Dakota. But you can't justify doing it financially with hydrogen, I don't think, in a small... I
3: have an idea on that, though, Mike. So we'll say right now we're in the center of the United States. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, we would have to look long, which is hard for politicians to do a lot. But if we said we can produce cheap energy, hydrogen, with a mixture of natural gas to help with that, this is a great hub. For semi Central. Or, uh, yeah businesses mm-hmm. to absolutely well, you're to the go crossroads off. of the of the world right, right. here so. people
2: could put their trucking operations here
3: well yeah, that's what I well, because when you say yeah. fleet vehicles you're talking semis i, I imagine mm-hmm. not not right. smaller vehicles yeah mm-hmm. so well like Walmart
1: mm-hmm. it would be a good example Amazon mm-hmm. a company mm-hmm. that could Am- do it. Amazon mm-hmm. yeah but I think it would it would definitely build the infrastructure of Oklahoma as a whole and if you build it they will come right that's so right. that long term mm-hmm. if you've got it here then people are like well the hub is here. Let's start moving operations here. let's yeah. move. Companies. I would do
2: it at the same time. I, you know I don't think long term is too long. Sure. You, you know you think about you think about it at the same time. How do we incentivize the idea of having a lot of fleet trucks headquartered in Oklahoma? Hmm. and we couple that with a with a program to work to use hydrogen. So you couple the two and it, it'll work. Now I'm not smart enough, or I haven't thought it through enough to know how you would do that. You probably no. have.
0: Been. In my in my head, it all needs to be LNG, you know, and make it safe. I mean, really, we have the infrastructure here to produce our own LNG plants. Well, the
2: difference so. is LNG uh, still release uh, has NOx emissions. You know, we still have emissions that, that the environmentalists don't want us to have. They're mm-hmm. wrong. Hydrogen has zero.
3: Oh, really? Well, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but the. The creation of it has quite a bit. There Um, you have it. you still got natural gas. There's always a cost uh, to get it
2: going. So there is a cost. But but the cost is about one out of four, I think. I
1: think it's 25%. Yeah, it's
3: just like electric vehicles. Mm -hmm. Using natural gas is way more efficient to charge Mm -hmm. them than to run a vehicle off of it, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So you do have emissions, but it's scaled significantly down. You know, mm-hmm. by using yeah, its its products. So. so you stay
0: pretty active with the OERB, and w- what are they building right now? What are they building toward?
2: You know, actually, I'm not active with the OERB right now. I keep. I, oh, keep I just in touch saw with him at
0: the. Me. I just saw him at, at the. Uh, I just figured you were uh, pressing palms the other day at the uh, uh, soirée. So I was hoping you might know every single person there. How many? How many members does the uh, OEP? Was it the Oklahoma Energy Producers yeah, Alliance? We have
2: 530 members.
0: 530 all members.
2: Oklahoma. The uh, Oklahoma Energy Resources Board is doing what they've always done. So we're in total support of their program and what they're doing. And, um, you know, we're not – we have one board member that I think we got on the OERB that that, uh, Speaker McCall appointed, and we won't go into all that. But that's okay. They're doing the right thing anyway. As long as they are doing the right thing, I don't care who's doing it. Yeah. You know? And they seem to be doing the right thing to me. Now, I would be looking at what we're doing on the environment. I'd never lose that thing. And hopefully we don't lose sight of that at the OERB because that's that's our mechanism. That's our voice to the rest of the public is the OERB.
0: And what about the OEPA? Like, what do you think they're building toward? Besides like, hey, you know, okay, we're super worried about fracking right now. But how many uh, how many people in the OEPA, like, are they uh, still out do- dealing, uh, drilling uh, oh, yeah. vertical wells? Yeah, how many, we got- how many uh, vertical wells are being drilled in Oklahoma each year?
2: Well, I know Mac Energy is going to drill 40 this year. Yeah, mm-hmm. They're uh, putting in a water flood in the Valma-Alma field, I believe. Yep. And they're going to put in 40 uh, – they're going to drill 40 wells. I know Ellie Jones, who – Lance Jones is on our board at Duncan. They're a larger, small independent. And they, too, are drilling wells ongoing. And, uh, you know, Bill Dost is one of our board members from Edmond, and Bill is – he'll deal t- 10 or 12 wells a year. So we all – we still drill. Now, we don't drill with, to the extent the horizontal guys do. And the big difference is, is that um, – um, when we drill a well, it's much more economical because we can drill a dry hole and it's cheaper than what they have to do is spend six, $8 million, drill it, drill it horizontally, frack it before they know No it matter what. No, no. They'll well. look at the logs. They frack regardless. Yeah.
3: So I've got the funniest story on that. We just said about dry holes. So I worked at Nomac drilling before on the rig contracting side. Before I came here, I had a stand to start up another company in between. But anyway, that one didn't work. Uh, but I started here. I was renting in an office, and they said, why don't you just come to work for Trace? And I said, all right. And I did. And I'm looking at it, AFE, I'm like, what is this dry hole cost? Because I'd only been a part of horizontals. There's no such thing as a dry hole cost. We drill the whole thing no matter what, mm-hmm. and we're fracking them all. But dry hole cost is a beautiful thing for a vertical producer. They look at it. They spend $230,000 to drill down. They run That's a right. log or two. If they like what they see, they get, they frack it. If not, you know, they don't set case. We plug it. Plug don't it. don't chase
2: won't. good money after bad.
3: There it is. So I,
2: so I, I had nothing wrong with, with a good, bad. clean dry hole mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's
0: great. Well, I'm going to uh, man. I'm if any time you're in the city, I mean, you're a welcome a guest host or a guest. Either one. I appreciate you are. That. You always have a seat at this table, buddy. Your, your insights and wisdom and just leadership. I I'm I'm a follower now and a fan.
3: Yeah, I just found you, Matt. Matt videotaped your your last uh, speaking arrangement. I, I thought you were excellent. So there's no. certainly no. a lot of wisdom.
0: So plug your book again. Man.
2: Yes. Yeah. Well, you know the book is. Uh, is merely a, a labor of trying to get what I think I've learned down for anybody that might use it, and so it's not—it's not a typical self-help book at all. It's got a chapter on parenting, and uh, it's got some philosophy in it, you know, and it's got some some uh, ethical uh,
0: things in it. I think yeah. each of your chapters could be its own book, by it the way. It could
2: be each chapter could be
3: a. Book so you have some own.
0: writing to finish up before. I do. <laughs> I do
2: have it. Oh, uh, before we zip off
3: here, so we we added a new industry within the last two years to Oklahoma. It's taken up a lot of grass out, there, a lot of a lot of ground out there. So, at what point do we say, okay, marijuana is bringing in quite a bit of money, quite a bit of revenue to the state? I actually took down some statistics: three hundred forty-five million dollars in sales last year, mm-hmm. revenue seventy-one point six million in taxes. When do when did these other industries start supplementing? So, oil isn't the bad guy that we always have to chase down. We start maybe evaluating GPT again, maybe, t- maybe not. But you know.
1: instead of carrying thirty-five percent of the state, mm-hmm.
3: like, what are your thoughts
2: on that, Mike? Is <laughs> that,
0: well, do yeah. you look for other industries that build up here to tax instead of us? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't think that uh, you're going to do anything with marijuana that they don't want. Mm-hmm. Because politically, it was very the public was very faithful to pass an initiative petition. Yeah,
3: they had to. To do it. So I think the legislature,
2: which is, you know, dominantly Republican, and I would say dominantly, it really opposed personally. Mm-hmm. To I am personally mm-hmm. opposed to marijuana. Now, our, our entire congressional delegation is probably opposed to it. Mm-hmm. I know our two senators Well, yeah, were. they
3: didn't pass it, right? Yeah. They, they had to go right. to a petition. And that was that only reason. on, yeah. Uh,
2: and, and I think the... Uh, the the effort in Congress is now on, on getting banking, getting it to where banking mm-hmm. can at least use a credit card or some kind of system. So that cash bank...
0: isn't leaving Oklahoma. That's a scary thought to what? me. How much money leaves our state because of? They could
2: put it in credit unions, though, right? Or can't, what do they have to do with that money right now?
0: Somebody right told now me they, they were taking they truck it in, cash. It in
2: cash to the to the treasury,
3: that's and correct. they've
2: had to build facilities to hold it all. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a big problem. It, the, 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 Terrifying. It was, you know, that's another client I worked for was. a... A guy that had uh, a system that would take care of it from seed to sale, mm-hmm. remit the taxes fairly, have a way to do it. And it was a great system, and the t- tax commission agreed to take token, basically, mm-hmm. which would be a credit card uh, in exchange for cash, and agreed that they could do that. But uh, for some reason or another, we've just never gotten it all the way through the process to get it to the end user to use, and they're still not. They're still not doing it. In my opinion. Uh, or what I understand very well. Well,
3: we're learning. Uh, you know, I believe we're trying to emulate emulate a couple of the other states that have done a pretty good job, such as Colorado. And have they done
0: Washington. a good job have you-
3: Uh seed to sale? Well, we implemented. I believe they just passed something for seed to sale in this last session, but they're trying to figure it out how to track it because there's actually a lot of black like black market for marijuana leaving the state. It's I'm crazy. just behind
0: the times. There's a lot of things I'm being forced to accept. This environmental stuff, the weed stuff. Like, man, Mike, Jeremiah, you bring ago. up things in here that just, like, get me under my skin. <laughs> and I'm just forced to deal with it now.
2: 25 years ago, I flew my twin-engine plane into, into Idabel, Oklahoma, to see a football game. And I was met by the police when I got there. And they searched the plane. They searched me. And they said, you got to understand, this is the marijuana season 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Number one cash crop in Oklahoma was marijuana 25 years ago. I didn't It was know. just all black market. You know, it was just no. all. And so they, they said, uh, you know, that's the problem. We have people flying here and get it. And Maybe my out. uncles. So they gave me a police Allegedly. escort to the game and back to my plane. And, you know, I stayed for a halftime. And I said, I think I want to leave.
0: They never found wow. it. Wow. They never oh, they found your me. weed. Yeah. <laughs>
1: He's better hiding. He's trouble. better hiding. I wouldn't <laughs> know. I wouldn't have a clue. Plan. He dumped the bags. Where
0: did you put later. that anyway? <laughs>
1: yeah. Wow! And then now look at us today.
0: How how can people get a hold of you after the show and uh, reach out to you and and uh, ask you for all your advice or come to speak to them? Wisdom
1: is wisdom. Yeah,
2: well, I appreciate that. How do they get hold of you? You know, wisdom is knowing other people that have it and, and suggesting you talk to them. But
0: Suggest you talk to him.
2: My cell phone number is, is uh, I give it out. It's oh, you're brave, man 206 4444 Pretty right. easy. Someone get that guy an extended warranty
3: on his house, yeah. his appliances, and <laughs> all of his cars, and his airplane. <laughs> <laughs> Which I have not. I don't have an airplane anymore. No? You got rid of it? I you was on, are
0: you on all the media platforms? You have a website for your I book? I have a
2: website. um, um my website for um, my consulting company is there we go. Pivotal Solutions.
0: Pivotal Solutions, okay.
2: Yeah. Um, and so p- Pivotal Strategic Solutions.
0: And what are you guys doing over there?
2: Well, we're just trying to build a consulting business around speaking engagements and around the book and, and around um, either consulting in the energy. What I really love to do is consult on public affairs, solve problems. <laughs> like I mentioned, the two clients I had, they don't pay, mm-hmm. you know, because I did it on the come. I did it basically, well, if it works, then I'll get something out of it. And so I love these ideas that solve problems. You know, the Water Solutions Group I worked with solves problems. Yeah. And so that's what I try to try to do. And uh, it's not a very smart business model, frankly, but it's what I enjoy doing is helping people solve problems that they say, say can't be solved because everything can be can be
3: solved. So, are you? A, uh, is it a lobbyist group? Are you guys registered? No, lobbyists?
2: we don't lobby. Okay. Um, I've never lobbied. Mm-hmm. I've always been a. a, a Political uh, strategist, basically, and I hire the right lobbyists for people when they need lobbying. Your degree but is in philosophy, right? Psychology.
0: Psychology. That's interesting. I like that.
2: And I, I hire the people I need to do whatever the specific thing they need to do is. Like I work with Jeff Cloud, former corporation commissioner, a lot, and uh, Jeff is also an attorney and a landman. Mm-hmm. So we've we've got several projects that we've worked on together, and so you know, I bring in the people that they need. But what they need, they don't need to just go hire a lobbyist. They need a strategic approach that has a well-planned-out method of success. Mm -hmm. And so that that starts at one end and stops at the other. There's a whole lot of things in between, not all of which I do.
0: Man, this guy has got... Become uh, from the young man turning a wrench to uh, now a uh, seasoned professional turning minds into oh, yeah. uh, something yeah. a little bit better.
2: I've got, I've got so many. I can sit down with you for
0: hours. Yeah. So please. Know. Well, I didn't I get to talk
2: poorly. about my next book is going to be stories from the oil patch. Yes. Everything I needed to know I learned from a roughneck. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so I've got stories out. I, I thought that's what you were going to talk about today. I want to talk story? about. Every,
0: I'm never going to run out of questions for you. So yeah, you're going to have okay. to stick around another. Uh, what are you? Fifty now? I'm not sure. I've got the okay, answer, yeah, Don't tell but us.
2: I've never been tempted to give one oh. yeah.
0: <laughs> mike god bless you thank, thank you for coming yeah, you in guys be this be is our show the talking energy show go to talking energy uh, please reach out to Mike, Jeremiah, Ken Lavin, and myself. And uh, thank you Wait, guys. One more thing. We, we're on Look all at this the guy. platforms Every platform. Apple
3: and Google. So the podcasts are on there, the Talking Energy Show. If you
0: go to TalkingEnergyShow.com, you can find it. And the calendar for all the oil and gas events in Oklahoma. There so is. there's lots of things to the tailgate, find.
3: Matt is the face of the oil field Oh Oklahoma, gosh, I'm so, so sorry,
0: buddy. That's it, fun. everybody. Take care. God bless. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Goodbye.